Welcome to Journey Elgin of Elgin, Texas, where we are living life in Christ, impacting his kingdom. Our service times are Sunday at 9 a.m., followed by a second service at 1045 a.m. Today's message is the Holy Spirit. Here's Pastor Philip Thomas. All right. So we're going to continue um, looking at and kind of developing a basic foundational faith. Um, the, the last few weeks, we've kind of started talking about having a strong root system and being rooted in, in faith, knowing what we believe. Um, we've, we've talked about how Scripture provides a basis for that. Um, we talked about uh, uh, God, how He is creator and redeemer. We talked about Jesus last week, how He shows us the way to live. He is the truth, he, uh, the way, the truth, and the life. Um, so today we're going to be looking into the, the Holy Spirit. And, uh, and this is, <laughs> the Holy Spirit to me is one of the most difficult things to really talk about. Because whenever I say Holy Spirit, all of you have a different idea in your mind, right, of what the Holy Spirit means. And a lot of times it's, we really don't have any idea so we're just not going to think about it too much, <laughs> right? Because the Holy Spirit, that, that idea, it, it, it's not tangible. Like, you know, we can even, or speak for myself, I can even wrap my head around God more than I can Holy Spirit. Like, okay, yeah, there was a, 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 a spiritual force that created the world that is over all things. And then, of course, I can wrap my head around Jesus because, okay, that's, uh, he embodies God. Now, that gets a little hard to understand, but okay. You know, at some point, Jesus walked and talked and spoke and, and showed us how to live life, so I can wrap my head around that. But now we get to the Holy Spirit, and it's like, well, well I can't really wrap my head around that. What does that, what does that mean? But, uh, but the Holy Spirit is such an integral part for us understanding who God is. And it's definitely an integral part for us to be able to have a strong root system. With today being uh, praying for the persecuted church, um, I promise you without the Holy Spirit, the persecuted church would fall apart. Right? There, there's got to be something that is, is keeping them together. And it's not Jesus anymore in the sense that Jesus was here physically for a while, but then he went back to heaven. Right? But God's presence is still here, and that's the Holy Spirit. That's what we're going to talk a little bit about today. Um, and and I, I just want to encourage you to know that there's no way we can hit on every aspect of, of the Holy Spirit. Um, and there's, you know, this is one of those things where whenever I say Holy Spirit, some people, and I think a lot of times we immediately start thinking about um, being filled with the Spirit. Or we think about churches that stress spiritual gifts, right? Whether it's the gift of healing, maybe it's the gift of speaking in tongues, uh, you know, things like that. Maybe it's something that we've seen on television and, and somebody gets their hand, they place the hand on somebody's head and they fall back, right? And we call that being slain in the spirit, right? Those are all things. I, I think that those are all part of the Holy Spirit, right? I think they, sometimes we can, they can be misused, but I, I do think that's part of the Holy Spirit. But I don't think that's the main aspect of the Holy Spirit. I think that's a very limited view 
And so we're going to look at, at the Holy Spirit in a little bit different terms. And so, so I, to start off, I'll kind of give a, a basic definition of the Holy Spirit. I see the Holy Spirit is the movement of God in, in the world today. It's God's movement of what he's doing in the world, his presence in the world, right? That he is here, that he is doing things. Now, that's a very broad definition, right? But the Holy Spirit is not just that someone can speak in tongues or that someone can heal miraculously. No, the Holy Spirit is God's continued presence and movement in the world around us. Sometimes we can see it, right? Sometimes we're like, oh, wow, man, look at what this group of people are doing. There's clearly something behind that. But a lot of times we can't really see it. But we can, we can still know it's there. Just because you can't see something doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. Last week we were looking in uh, John chapter 14 where Jesus was talking about how he was the way, the truth, and the life. Well, he continues on in that passage. So we're going to continue on and he introduces the Holy Spirit. And uh, the Holy Spirit, we're going to read about it in John chapter 14, starting in verse 15 and going through verse 27. And, uh, And I think just the, kind of to, to make the point of how difficult to encapsulate the Holy Spirit it is, uh, depending on what version you read from, the Holy Spirit, the word used for the Holy Spirit is different in, in most translations. And it's going to be different on the screen from what I'm reading. Um, and I'm reading, I'm still reading the NIV, but I'm reading an earlier version than the one on the screen. And so it, it just shows, man, how do we capture exactly what the Holy Spirit is? So starting in verse 15, Jesus says, If you love me, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My father will love him and will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And do not be afraid. All right. John, uh, if, if you notice, John is very wordy. <laughs> and and he, he talks about some things and it's kind of circular. It goes around and around and he kind of just tries to flesh it out. And so it can, uh, it can get kind of confusing at times. But uh, I love this passage because it's really talking about, uh, and Jesus is talking about the Spirit. And it's, and it's this idea that, 
God and Jesus are one and the spirit that he lives are one and we can be within that, right? We can experience that. We can have that relationship with God. And so he's talking about this continued movement of God. One of the basic premises that Jesus is trying to convey to the disciples is is he's like, hey, I'm about to be gone. I'm going to physically not be here anymore. But I want you to know that you're not going to be alone. Now, and I I want you to to imagine this. Imagine how difficult that is for the disciples to wrap their mind around. Like the Holy Spirit is hard for us to wrap our mind around. And that's the only aspect of God we've ever related to. Right? Like we've never related to the physical embodiment of God in Jesus. Unless maybe you have, and I, I would be hesitant to share that with just anyone, right? That's not how we relate to God. We, we, we didn't get to see Jesus physically present on earth, right? They are experiencing that, and Jesus is trying to say, hey, listen, I'm going to be gone. Because imagine what they would go through whenever they see him crucified, right? So, you know, they, their lives just get completely turned upside down. And he, then he's trying to say, and not only that, but what I'm going to leave behind is in a sense even more powerful than me, right? Because in a way, Jesus limited himself, right? He limited himself to a physical body, right? And he made a difference in a lot of people's lives, right? And, uh, but when he died and he rose again, there were really only a handful of people who really believed that he had risen again, right? There's different numbers that we see, but, uh, but probably around 100 to a couple hundred people, maybe up to 500 people, right? It, in the grand scheme of things, it wasn't a huge number of people who actually believed who Jesus was while he was physically present. Today, there are well over a billion people who consider themselves Christians and who consider that they believe in who Jesus is. How did that happen? What was the power behind that? That's the movement of God. That's the Holy Spirit, right? So just because Jesus was physically not here anymore, so God was no longer physically present in the world, he was still very real and was very present and would even do greater things. That's what he says. We didn't read it. It was right before Jesus says, and you will do even greater things in my name. The disciples did, right? They transformed the Roman Empire, right? They did greater things in that sense than even what Jesus did. Why? Because of the power of the Holy Spirit, right? And so the, kind of the big picture when we think of the Holy Spirit we need to kind of think of it in, that, in those terms, that this is a, is a lot bigger than just what the Holy Spirit does for me. The Holy Spirit, and especially when Jesus is talking to the disciples, he's saying, you, all of you, the Holy Spirit is here. It's kind of that general movement of God through the church, through the people of God. Right? And, uh, and in order for us to even have a chance to see that, and even have a chance to experience the Holy Spirit. Because I know a lot of people say, you know, I, I just I want to experience the Holy Spirit. How do I kind of see that? Well, the first thing, the only way that we have a chance for that is if we choose to follow God. And we choose to try to start living our life the way God wants us to. Jesus says it a couple of times in there. 
those who obey me, those who follow my commands, right, they will see, they will experience the Holy Spirit. And he starts contrasting the world and, and those who believe, right? The world does not believe in the Holy Spirit, does not believe in God. Why? Because they've chosen not to even believe in God. They're not even trying. So yeah, you're not going to really see that movement of God, right? It doesn't mean that it's not available to everyone. And it doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit doesn't impress on individuals trying to get them to open their eyes to see, Right? But I think for us, in the, in, especially as Christians, sometimes we kind of have this desire, man, I want to see more of the Holy Spirit. Well, the first thing is, well, then start, start getting, developing your relationship with God and start living the way that God has called you to live, and that changes the way you see things. And all of a sudden, you start seeing what God is doing. And uh, sometimes I think we, we keep the, the Holy Spirit in this really weird thing like, oh, I want to see a, a miracle. I want to see something unbelievable that the Holy Spirit is going to do. That happens on occasion. But, man, God is working all the time, but we've got to open our eyes to it. We have to see it. And I think it's important that we understand that, 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 it's, that we realize, hey, in order to experience the Holy Spirit, we need to develop our relationship with God and start living the way Jesus called us to live, and then we're going to start experiencing Him. Now, a little bit more specific, what does the Holy Spirit do? It's, it's very interesting. Um, the, some translations will call the Holy Spirit here uh, helper. Some will call comforter. Some will use the term advocate. I think on the screen it said advocate. Um, um, my translation said counselor. Those are all legitimate words. The actual word that is used there is called paraclete. Right? And, uh, and now the reason most translations don't use that word is because no one knows what the heck that word means. Right? <laughs> paraclete. And, uh, but, but it's funny because some the translations that do use it, the reason that they use paraclete is because it's like, well, none of those other words fit what the Holy Spirit is. It's kind of all of those things wrapped together. We don't really have a, a good single word to describe the Holy Spirit. Right? And so all of these are, are, uh, apply. The three most common that you see in, in most uh, translations are helper, comforter, and advocate. And, and, uh, and I want to kind of look at those different aspects because those are, those are very different things. Right? But yet they, but they're, they're similar as, as well. But uh, I look at helper, that the Holy Spirit is our helper. Isn't it nice to know that God wasn't going to just leave us alone, that he is there to help us through life, helping us through by, by helping us learn, by encouraging us, you know, all of those things that God is there to help us through life. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. Now we have to be real careful because... We can view that and we can say, oh, the Holy Spirit is our helper. Then uh, if we're not careful, we have our Western minds and we think, oh, our helper, that's, they're subservient to me. I tell them what to do, right? I don't want to dig that hole. So I say, hey, helper, why don't you go dig the hole for me, right? That is not what the Holy Spirit does. I would say sometimes we treat the Holy Spirit that way, that we try to treat the Holy Spirit, you know, I, I want you to do this, or I want to experience you this way. 
And, and sometimes that can be manipulated. You need to be very careful with that, that we don't do that. But the Holy Spirit is our helper, that God is here to help you through life. That doesn't mean that everything just gets removed, uh, difficulty gets removed out of your way. No, but God helps you through life. Then I, I, I love the, the term comforter, that he is our comforter, right? That, that's a, but that's one that is so hard to explain because most people can't really explain exactly what gets them, gives them comfort. You know, it's like, well, but they can explain a time when they've experienced it. You know, I can remember it was, I was uh, probably either a freshman or a sophomore in college and uh, me and some guys, we were up in Ruidosa, and we had been skiing up in Ruidosa, and my granddad passed away. And, uh, and so, you know, we had to drive all the way back to Abilene, and uh, we were still finishing. We still had a day left, and so we went ahead and, and finished. But, you know, you're with a bunch of guys, and so it's like, ah, you know, we'll just keep going on. No, no big deal. You just kind of make it through. And I remember we drove all the way back to Abilene, and then I drive on uh, and, uh, and go to the house. Of course, the family's there. And I can remember walking in, it was my mom's dad, and walking into their house and, and seeing my mom and then seeing my dad, and you just kind of lose it, right? And you just like, all those things that you've been trying to bottle up, there, there they go. And I can remember my dad just came over and just gave me a hug. Didn't say anything, just said, just gave me a hug. And you felt so much comfort there. But there really wasn't, there's no way to really tangibly explain that. I've been hugged by my dad before, right? There wasn't anything special about the hug. What was special about it is the Holy Spirit was using my dad to comfort me, right? And then, the, and there were ways I would experience comfort just from the word of, of someone, or I would experience comfort in something I read. You know, and if we're in the world, we'll push that off and say, oh, well, you know, that's just the way that we interact and that's kind of a psychosocial thing. Maybe, but I think that's the Holy Spirit, right? We can't really tangibly explain it. We can't prove it, but that's one of the things that the Holy Spirit does. He's there to comfort. The last word is really interesting to me is the word advocate. See, the, the helper and the comforter kind of have a I mean, that's a, that's a good relationship. That's a solid relationship. Ad, the advocate, that's kind of a sterile word. That's a courtroom word. Like whenever I hear the term advocate, the first thing you know, that, that I think of is a court-appointed court advocate. Like, you know, the, especially within the foster system and stuff like that, um, you know, the court will appoint an advocate for a child, right? Now, that's a really good thing because an advocate is someone who stands for you who is there for you, who is going to represent you, right? who is going to be your voice when you don't have a voice. And, uh, and whenever I think of the Holy Spirit in, in that terms, in terms of being an advocate, man, that's what we need today. Yep. Yep. We need an advocate. See, because we live in a world that doesn't believe what we believe. And that can get really difficult, right? Trying to live out Something that we believe is true in a world that doesn't believe that gets really hard and wears on you. And every once in a while, you just want to say, you know what? Enough. I don't even want anyone to know that I believe this, right? Maybe it's just, it's too hard. I think the Holy Spirit then stands up and says, no, 
What you're believing is the truth. Keep going. Keep living the way that God wants you to live. I know that all the voices that you're hearing are basically saying you don't know what you're talking about. Right? Don't listen to them. Listen to my voice. I am your advocate. I am here for you, and I will represent you in the dark world. Right? That is so important because you know we, are, we live in a, a very uh, intellectual world now. Things are changing, right? And faith is challenged on a regular basis. And you know what? It's hard because we can't just tangibly, scientifically prove beyond a shadow of a doubt what we believe. Right? And you can get overwhelmed by the world's message of saying that's not right. Man, sometimes we need to listen to that advocate. We need to listen to the Holy Spirit saying, no, you don't have to follow the ways of the world. Right? What's that old saying that uh, your mom used to say? Well, if 100 people jumped off a cliff, would you follow them down? Right. Right? <laughs> listen, the world's view, they're jumping off a cliff. And they're trying to just convince us it's easier to jump off the cliff than to stand up. And guess what? Sometimes they're right. Sometimes it's, man, I just, that's, an, that's it, right? Because the, the, the world's view of things is not God's view. But the Holy Spirit, remember, he is our advocate. And I love that the end where Jesus says, I give you my peace, my peace I leave with you, mm-hmm. Right? And as, even as life is rough, and he, he acknowledges that. He, he says again, you will have trouble, right? But I am giving you peace. You can experience peace in the midst of it. That's the power of the Holy Spirit, right? And it doesn't mean that there are times that you wonder if, if there is going to be peace, right? But it's those little moments where you are reminded, oh, wait. God is there. He is doing something. You know, we've gotten really good in the world, and we do this on a lot of different fronts, but we only focus on the failures of things, right? That's kind of where, where we put our attention. Uh, you know, and, and, and the world's view of the church is not a healthy one, is it? In fact, I would say it's probably pretty negative, If you take a secular, worldly view of the church, most people, and you see this in the media, if you pay attention to that much at all, you'll see the the church, the the things that are associated with the church are um, the crusades. look, Look at what the church did during the crusades and how they went. That was horrible. It was wrong. Right? They'll you know, move to and, and do some different things whenever there were uh, between the wars between Catholics and Protestants. And you'll look at that and say, see, what good is the church? Look at what happened in all these wars. Yes, that was horrible. That was people using the church for political uh, gain and advantage. They'll look and they'll say, look, there were some cho- uh, churches that supported slavery. There were some churches that supported Nazism, right? And all of these, there are bits of truth in there, right? You know, they'll say now, look at the Catholic Church and and look at the scandals that are going through through the Catholic Church. And all of this is bad stuff, right? 
And it's easy, the world will look at it and they'll say, well, that's the way that the church is. All the while dismissing how the church has changed the world for the better overall. The church is responsible for the basic idea of health care, of caring for people who were sick and dying. Do you think the world cared about the sick and the dying? No, it was the church. Now there are people, it's so common, people don't even realize it. They, have, they don't believe that God exists and they're atheists, but they will go and become doctors and nurses to help people. Why is that? That comes from a godly perspective that life matters, right? People just throw all that away. They say, oh, no, Christians didn't stand up and end slavery and and all this. No, the reason slavery ended in the United States is because people of faith stood up and said no of all colors, right? The civil rights movement Uh, People of both colors, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., his premise of the way that he was going to change those cultural norms was biblical-based, right? But we don't give credit for that. The world doesn't. But that is the Holy Spirit, the movement of God making a difference in the world. And if we're not careful, we're going to miss that. That's why you have to follow and obey God's way of living so that we realize, oh, what? The Holy Spirit is active. God is active, right? We're talking about the persecuted church. I read an article just this week, North Korea. Um, Great vacation destination, wonderful place to go. If if you're there and you, you try to read a Bible or you try to worship, in any way, you can get thrown into the, what's basically concentration camps. I mean, we, we only know limited information because they're so isolated, but we do have information, and you cannot, you, you cannot worship God, right? And, uh, and, but there's, there's a movement there, because guess what? The Holy Spirit is present everywhere. It doesn't care about borders. It doesn't care about regimes. And so it is there. There are people who are passionate to, to learn about God, but they're also trying to survive, which is fine. And so there was this group that they've been meeting for a, for a while. They have a very limited number of Bibles. And, uh, and the way that they meet is they go out, because they're fishermen, and so they go out like they're fishing. And so they're in boats, and then they kind of gather their boats around, and then they pass out the Bibles, and they try to worship. And their Bibles, of course, are just tattered and falling apart. They've gotten wet and, and all of that stuff. So they've been praying for that they could find some, some Bibles. One day they're out trying to worship, and, uh, and all of a sudden a boat is coming, which is a very dangerous thing because they don't know who it is. So they're trying to hide all their Bibles and stuff like this. The boat comes up. It's a guy from an organization who has been trying to get Bibles into uh, the country. He has a box of new Bibles, and he gives them the box of Bibles for them to, to, to use for their little group. And that's wonderful. And you celebrate, say, oh, how cool is that? So then, but then they're like, well, what do we do with all of our old Bibles? Because you, you, can't, those can't get, you can't get caught with them. You can't just throw them away. What do you do with them? They have to be disposed of where you don't get caught. So the guy who gave the Bibles boxed up the old Bibles and took them. And he put them in kind of his own little storage thing in his apartment until it was safe and he was going to uh, dispose of them. He goes, he finds out the janitor found the box 
That could be a horrible thing because all the janitor has to do is say, hey, look at what I found. That starts an investigation. No telling what happens. The janitor was part of a little group that was uh, trying to meet and worship God and had been praying that they could get their hands on some Bibles somehow. Now, I don't know how to explain all of that, except that the movement of God is very real. Right? And we can get all technical with the Holy Spirit, and we can try to, you know, pretend that we understand it and, and all this. No, the Holy Spirit is the movement of God in the world around us. And if we want to open our eyes, and if we will start living our life the way that God created us to live, live it, we're going to start seeing what the Holy Spirit is doing. And then you can start seeing, you know what? That's somewhere I can plug in. That's a place that I can, can help, right? Man, let's don't overcomplicate this. But know that it's real. And the Holy Spirit is there for you. And whenever you need comforted, the Holy Spirit is there. Whenever you need help to overcome, the Holy Spirit is there and will sustain you. Right? When you need an advocate, someone to stand up for you, the Holy Spirit is there. The world is trying to make us look in directions that we won't see the Holy Spirit. We have to choose to look at the movement of God in the world around us. The Holy Spirit is all around you and is making a difference. I can make a list of all the things that the church has done that the media will pick up on and say, how could you follow a God that does this, right? Priests molesting children, Slavery, all of these things throughout history. If you viewed God through the lens of the world's view of the church, no one would come to faith in God. No one, right? I mean, why would you? If you take the world's view of what God and the church have done, why is it that every day thousands and thousands of people's lives are being changed by God? The movement of the Holy Spirit. God is not the church. The church is going to mess up. We're people. The Holy Spirit is not bound by the walls of the church. The Holy Spirit is moving and changing lives, and we have the opportunity to live our lives in the midst of that. Let's go to him in prayer. Dear God, I thank you so much for your presence here in this place. I thank you that you have not left us alone, that you have not left us as orphans, but that you have given us new life and that you have maintained your presence in this world through your Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that we will live our lives in a way where we experience your presence each and every day and where we see how you are moving in the world around us. God, we thank you. We thank you that you are our helper our comforter, that you are our advocate. Lord, we love you, and we thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name we ask you. Amen. Thank you for listening to Journey Elgin. Come check us out. We're located at 1221 North Avenue C, Elgin, Texas, 78621. You can contact us at www.journeyelgin.org or call us at 512-661-8411. That's 512-661-8411. We hope to see you soon and may God bless you.